All right. This has nothing to do with my sermon, but it makes me laugh every single time I read it. Peter gets up and he's like, how dare you think we're drunk? It's 9 a.m. I mean, come back at 5, we'll be wasted, but 9 a.m., no way! We couldn't be! <laughs> he had to tell him what time, I mean, like, he had to remind him it was the morning? I don't know, anyway. Um, so today's Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is unleashed. The church receives its, its commission, right? It's, it's, it's birth. It's wonderful. And we're going to put a pin in this for just a minute, right? So Pentecost, okay. Book of Acts, New Testament. We're going to rewind all the way back. And I want to start in Genesis chapter 1. <laughs> Don't worry, I promise. It's going to be like, we're going to go through the whole Bible today. No, uh, we'll just start here and then we'll go back to Acts. So uh, Genesis chapter 1, God gives the first humans a kind of call. Right? So I think we have this on the screen, Josh. God created humanity in God's own image, Genesis 1.27. In the divine image, God created them, male and female, God created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fertile and multiply, disperse over all the earth and take dominion over it. Be responsible, be good stewards of it. Right? Disperse over all the earth. Okay. I'm going to jump here to Genesis chapter 12. This is the call of Abraham, right? So Adam and Eve get the call to disperse over all the earth. Abraham's going to get a similar call, right? So Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said to Abram, leave your land, your family, and your father's household for the land that I will show you. Now, this is a huge risk. In the ancient world, to leave your family, your land, it means like, if I live in this land, I do this job. If I live near water, I'm a fisherman. If I live over here, I might raise animals. To leave my land is to leave my occupation, my safety, my economic stability, all of that, right? Oh, don't worry. I'll show you where to go. Abraham's like, okay, God, thanks, right? I mean, this is a huge, huge uh, leap of faith Abraham takes, right? So God says, go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name respected, and you will be a blessing, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Okay, so Adam and Eve disperse over all the earth, be fruitful. To Abraham, you'll be a great nation. Through you, all the nations on earth will be blessed. Israel forgets this, by the way. Sadly, many nations end up being cursed by Israel, not blessed. But God's intent in this call in the early chapters of Genesis is that they be a blessing to all nations. But there's this very interesting story in between Genesis 1 and Genesis 12, the Tower of Babel, Genesis chapter 11. You, some of you know the story of the Tower of Babel, right? You've got a group of people, they're united, they have a common culture and language, and they're going to build a tower, and they're going to build a tower to try to get to heaven. Ah, yes, then we'll be like God, and, you know, like, like God, essentially. But hear the motivation for why they want to do this. So this is Genesis chapter 11. The people said to themselves, come, let's build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the sky. And let's make a name for ourselves so that we won't be dispersed over all of the earth. That's very interesting. So God is saying, ah, get, go up, mingle. <laughs> get out there. 
Turn off the TV. Get out your house. Go meet some people. Like, I don't know. Maybe we'll build a tower. I don't want to disperse, right? So here's my congregational question. You get to participate now. Why don't, I mean, let's speculate. Why don't the people building the Tower of Babel, why don't they want to disperse? Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, it's scary. I, I mentioned, right, you lose your economic stability, you, you lose your family connection. I mean, there was no email, there's no FaceTime, it's, it, it's isolating. So fear is, is one. Why else? Why don't you think they want to do what God is asking? Yeah, Shelly. Yeah, uh, my comfort zone. My life has inertia. I don't know about you. Well, I'm guessing if you're human, it does too. Life just has inertia. Most things I do because I do them every day, uh, like getting my coffee and driving to work and answering email and looking at my phone. I just do them, and I feel comfortable doing them, and I like doing them. That's why I do them over and over, right? So to say stop doing the things that are comfortable, get outside of that zone where you know and can expect and it's predictable is a risk. It's, it's not, I don't want to be... I don't want to experience discomfort, right? Yeah, Marie. Ooh, why do you have to convict us like that, Marie? Uh, so part of this is like, I, so here's the deal, right? Faith is a verb. I, I'm going to argue faith is not belief. Faith is action. Faith is a verb. If I have faith, it means I'll be faithful. If I have, a, if I have faith, it means I trust. Trust means I, I show it in how I live. And so not wanting to listen to the call of God is essentially like, I hear you, but I'm not, are you really going to be with me? Are you really going to stay and care for, protect, love? Can I trust you? And when we resist, I think it's often because I don't trust. I think that's right. It's, a, it's a, like a, it's, we have various events in our lives that hold mirrors up to say, I have to grow in my faith. I don't have enough right now. And that's okay, by the way, because I, I don't think faith's all or nothing. I, this is my perspective. It's not like you have it or you don't. I have it as a matter of degree. I trust God with some things and not others. And God will never stop working on me. God will never stop working on my heart to say, give me a little bit more. Have a little bit more faith. But we think of it like you, you either have it or you don't. Heaven or hell, that's it. It's like some weird binary that's not, that doesn't track to human experience. I have it more or less. Yeah, Jen. Mm. stay together and you build this thing that somehow you made it like you, you have this um, yeah this collective control over your faith or over what's about to happen yeah that's great but there is something about power and like we're, we're going to do this thing and get to God like we're not going to listen to what God wants us to do like God coming to us we're going to do what we can to get to God to control to have power to have um some say in what, rather than, again, it's a, rather than that trusting of God, it's taking control. Yeah, Steph. Good, what do you? Yeah, tribalism. Why would we go to them? It's like, uh, it's Jonah. Why would I go to Nineveh? Like, I, I'm going to go to my people. They don't deserve to hear the good news. Um, and much like Jonah, the Tower of Babel has a similar ending, right? Like, 
no, 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 I think you are going to listen, right? I think you are going to go, but my resistance is to those people? Because that feels unsafe. Maybe I hate them. Maybe I have all kinds of stereotypes about them that would make it like, we're just going to stay here and build our tower. Yeah, Kel. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, um, when something's homogenous and it's easy, that's, that's where we gravitate unless we make ourselves get outside of that comfort zone. And, and again, I just want you to think about the world of social media, the siloed nature of everyone's friend group online, the way religious communities become homogenous are along economic lines, theological lines, racial lines. We tend to want to be with people that are like us. We don't want to be with people that aren't like us. It's really uncomfortable, right? If I'm with people that all agree, I don't have to worry about what I say, how I say it, how that came across. But as soon as I get into a front of a group of people that I'm like, ah, they might not agree, now, I've, now it's more difficult. So why would we want to do that? And yet God says, Go do it. This is the call, to be a blessing to all nations. So, for those that don't know the end of the story, right, the way God makes this work is the people are then struck with different languages, and they can no longer communicate with each other, and they disperse over all the earth. This is like an origin myth related to, like, why does people have different languages and different cultures and different contexts? How does this work, right? This is like this early Genesis story that says, because they refused to disperse, to spread the good news, God's love, God's presence to all, they were dispersed by God. And I would suggest to you that this is the reality of our lives. The more I try to live into the illusion that things stay the same, that I have control, that things will continue as they have been, the more I try to do that, the more life shows me that's not how it goes. Things change. Events happen. You lose your job. You get divorced. You move out of the house to go to college. You become uh, sick or ill. You lose mobility. Life will not allow you to stay in one place. It, it will change. And the more I can learn to accept the fact that I can't control it, I can't stay here, the more I can learn to trust God with all of the things that might happen, the better off I'm going to be. So, they're dispersed. Now I want to fast forward and I want to come back to Pentecost because when I think of the Tower of Babel, I think of Pentecost as like the other side of this coin. So some context for Pentecost. Uh, if you remember, Jesus is celebrating Passover with his disciples at the Last Supper. He is soon executed. 50 days after Passover, so Passover is like the high holy day of the Hebrew people, right? They celebrate when God delivered them from Egypt, from slavery. But 50 days after Passover is another Hebrew celebration called Shavat, or the Feast of Weeks. 
50 days after Pentecost, they would gather again. Many would come into Jerusalem if they were able, and they would celebrate Shabbat. And this is like celebrating the giving of the Ten Commandments, giving of the law on Mount Sinai, right? Pentecost, penta is the Greek word 50, right? So you might call it Shabbat in Hebrew, but you would call it Pentecost in Greek, 50 days after Passover. So Pentecost gets its name. It's, a, it's the Greek uh, word for the, for the celebration, Shabbat. And so the people are coming back to Jerusalem to gather and to be part of this celebration. But you've got the early disciples who, again, are pretty scared. They've just watched their leader, the Messiah, get executed, and they're afraid they're going to be next, so they're not sure what's going to happen. And this is when we get the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this is why we have such a crowd in Acts chapter 2, because people are in Jerusalem for Shabbat, largely a Jewish audience. But in this case, you have people coming to Jerusalem from all over the place, different languages, different cultures, different religions. And what does the Holy Spirit do? They can all understand each other in their own language. The Tower of Babel, they're dispersed, and they went from speaking one language to a bunch of languages, and Pentecost, we're all brought together, and now we can understand one, each, one another in our own language. It's like, like the one side of the coin and then the other. And this, I think, is like the inhale and the exhale of God. It's the inhale and the exhale of the Holy Spirit, of the church. God breathes us in and gathers us at Pentecost, brings us in like this, like Collister right now on Sundays. We, we, God breathes us in and says, come to me, right? We gather, we, we take heart, we share burdens, we share joys, we love one another. And then God exhales us out into the world. Disperse, share, give, love. Breathe in and we gather and the Holy Spirit brings us in. And then the Holy Spirit says, and now go to every corner of the earth. So here's how I want to challenge you today on Pentecost. The Spirit is not done with Joe Bankard and the Spirit is not done with you, and the Spirit is not done with Collis United Methodist. God is trying to do a new work in you and in me and in us. When is the last time you felt really challenged to risk, to step out of your comfort zone, to grow, to do that hard work, right, of going to the folks that are challenging, When's the last time you slowed down long enough to hear the Spirit call you out in faith, right, on that next step of your faith journey? Because I'm guessing for some of you it's been a very long time, and that's okay, because the Spirit's not done with you, and the Spirit's not going to give up with you on you, right? Many of us are just like the people at the Tower of Babel. We'd rather not disperse. We kind of like it here. Right? Some churchgoers, like the old joke is like, hey, you're sitting in my pew. Right? Like a newcomer sits and they're like, hey, that's my seat. Like we're so comfortable with where we're at, our friend group, in our faith, in what we believe, that God has been unable to challenge, unable to change, unable to help us grow. But that's not the story of Pentecost. The story of Pentecost is a group of believers that get filled with the Spirit and immediately are sent out to the world to share the love of God. So this is, this is our call. Okay, here's my caveat. Some of you are hurting. You're broken. This is not the time to like 
run off to you know, the ends of the earth sharing the gospel. Maybe you just need for God to breathe you in to this place where you can heal. There's no shame in that. It takes real courage to say, I'm broken right now. I'm hurting right now. I'm in pain. I'm lonely right now. Let God breathe you in. Let this place surround you. But some of you are at a place where God is wanting to breathe you out. God is wanting to send you into a world. God is wanting you to grow. And I think the only way for you to know is to slow down long enough to really pray. My, my practices now have been mindfulness, have been how do I slow down and breathe? How do I allow God to speak into my life? How do I take time every day on a walk, in my bath, on my bedside to say, God, I'm here, use me, challenge me, help me to grow, help your spirit to move in my heart. And I'm gonna challenge you with that, that the Holy Spirit's not done. As we move to the table, I want to talk briefly about um, communion. Different Christian communities sort of emphasize different elements of communion, and I sort of think it's all of the stuff. It's like this beautiful sacrament that encompasses so much of the Christian faith in one practice, right? Part of what I want you to think about today is the moral call placed at communion that when we break the bread as the body of Christ and we take the juice as the blood of Christ we remember Christ's sacrifice we remember the gift of salvation but it's more than that when we are when we take the elements we are saying yes to the holy spirit once again we're saying yes to our baptismal vows we are saying yes to the moral call to be broken and poured out for the world the way Christ was broken and poured out for us, in love and service to others. So when you take it, I want you to sort of be thoughtful or mindful that this really is a tangible, embodied form of the moral call of the Christian church, right? We are not the perfect body of Christ. We're the broken body of Christ, piece by piece, sent out to a world that definitely, desperately needs God's love.